coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. So recently I went on a couple of podcasts. One was the Open Bar with J. Mike Check and Gabe Gearing himself, who you might know as, you know, the author and voice behind pretty much every single podcast worth listening to's intro song at this point. In my case, outro song. The other person who makes a podcast worth listening to is my intro song, which is Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies. Similar subjects ended up coming up the same time of year or talking about the same thing. Now, Sleeperwire podcast that I went on, um, was absolutely fantastic. I enjoyed going on both of those podcasts quite a lot, actually. Had a real good time. Recommend checking out both of them, of course. But um, we were talking about a lot of stuff before and after, and a lot of... It, it was interesting to get a reminder of the redraft mindset, because honestly, I hadn't realized I'd fallen so out of touch with it. But we were also talking about who listens. <laughs> In my case, no one. In their case, a lot of people. Um, but they were... One of the points that they told me was um, thinking about the number of people who just play casually, right? Uh, setting the lineup while ordering takeout or whatever. Uh, not digging into the, the deepest depths of wh- wherever the hell we plunge. And and that one stuck with me because I, I I'm, don't think I'm deep. I, I go deep, but the information I give and the advice I try and give is to draw all of it back. To, to some base level of what we can know and then pile any story, any narrative, anything that you prefer, any excitement, any swag, any swagger you have over a player on top of that, by all means, but know where the baseline is. There was a point, at some point, if it was a story, it would start once upon a time where something, ex- let's say it's 2014 and all the wide receivers broke out for the first time ever in the rookie season and every nerd like me uh, with a laptop and a dream and 30 minutes or four hours to kill, ran out to build models to project where the breakouts would come from, where the sleepers would come from. I mean, it's old hat, right? But gone are the days where the people in your league didn't know the information that you know. I mean, if you're playing in a good league, that should be defined by good players, or at least active players, or interested players, players that like the game at least, which means they know about Roto World. Um, but it kind of boiled over into turning the face of playing fantasy, or at least some popular kind of perspective that there was some chess-level gameplay, you know? Where there's that secret that you could uncover, that analyst that has a secret predictive model or tape washer who just really has an eye or whatever. And to a great and lesser extent, some of that's true, right? There's lots of people putting out interesting information 
uh, putting out interesting models who do have keen eyes or seem awfully accurate about who is good deeper on the depth chart. But here's the thing. It never became chess, let alone three-dimensional chess, which is, I think, what some people think they're playing. Fantasy football is the same game. The, we've talked about this in the podcast before. The number of drastic changes that have happened over time are very slow to the point that they're almost not changes. You already, you've already made the adjustments by the time it gets to draft time every year enough to keep up, even if you're playing casually. The number of things we've invented or come up with to radically change the way to play the game. I'm struggling to think of what. No, late round QB. Credit where it's due. JJ Zacharyson's um, late round QB strategy. That was a legitimate thing that people were doing while playing casually and professionally, or if there is such a thing as professional this, that QBs were being drafted early because they scored the most points. And then you've got value-based drafting, which was flawed. But it was along the same line earlier, which is where look for positional value, essentially. That's kind of it, okay? It's not chess, and it's definitely not three-dimensional chess. Do you know what we're, we're playing here is closer to tiddlywinks? It's clo- I actually don't know how to play tiddlywinks now I think about it. So tic-tac-toe. Like there, There's a number of set ways to win, and unless someone makes a mistake... That's it. That that's the game. It's it it it's tic tac toe. Only in this game, occasionally a a circle or an X you put in one of the boxes can get deleted, and there's nothing you can do about it, and it's the other person's turn. And that's when an injury happens or an unexpected wild difference in what we projected for the team, or the team is exponentially better as a unit, or. Um, you know, and Adam Thielen comes along, frankly, or a player that changes a game for that year for that team, or a class like 2014 and 2020s looking like. That's it. It's tic tac toe, guys. Boil it down to basics and pile all the fun you want. I do. I know I do. On top of it, but there are things we can know and ways we can compare players that make sense and is fair. And that's pretty much the entirety of this podcast one player at a time or one subject at a time if it's an interview mostly even when jake was here that's the concept let's just have the argument but start at a baseline of what's reasonable to expect and go on from there just have fun with the argument but it's not chess there's no secret you know all the moves that there are to make where the x's and o's can go are all the same places that's it. So what am I talking about here? I'm talking about James Robinson. Damn right, it's time. I came up on both podcasts, and it, it's just time I stopped dancing around the undrafted free agent in the room. Here's, here's a gripe. Everyone's comparing him wildly. They're starting with narratives. They're starting with the things that you you end on to have fun. The He's not Philip Lindsay. In any comparable fashion, you can't compare him to Philip Lindsay. He's not Philip Lindsay. Like, at all. Not in his shape, and not in his size, not in his speed, not in the way he's performing, the way he's producing fantasy points, the level at which he's producing at the time in his career that he's producing it. Like, there is no reasonable comparison to Philip Lindsay. 
except he's an undrafted free agent. Awesome. So let's start with what he's doing. Right now, James Robinson is running back six overall in points per game. That's 18 points or 18.8 points if you want to get all nerdy on it, which I, which I do. Um, so far this season, he's got an 82% opportunity share, which is the percentage of rushing attempts and running back targets minus quarterback rushing attempts, by the way. Um, which is a stat that um, I think Player Profiler puts out, but also uh, uh, FS Baseman from DLF is tracking on a weekly basis for one of their articles. And I've been reading that. Fairly interesting. It sounded like an interesting stat because, again, it's tic-tac-toe. You want to know the secret of running back? No matter how many times I ask or how much time we try to plunge into efficiency or missed tackles or broken tackles which are still both promising but not conclusive information about if this running back is distancing himself with some kind of skill on the field to compare it to the two it's still no not really yards per team pass attempt again has some more promising signal than i've seen out of most or just yards per team attempt to adjust for the rushing game sure i want to apply that to uh running back rook Coming into the NFL, rookies, uh, this offseason, so I haven't done that. That'll be interesting. But it's opportunity. It's volume. It's the amount of the team's offense. That That's what seems to be our best indicator of rich running backs are best to own in fantasy and best to own in fantasy the next year. And still, points per game matter. So 18 points per game, that's an actually pretty sticky and important number for a running back. So why doesn't he compare to Philip Lindsay? Because Philip Lindsay never did any of that. But he averaged 15 points per game and had an opportunity share in the 50s, not in the 80s. But I, I'll get to what's—I'll I'll get to looking at rookies in a sec, rookie seasons in a second. No matter who you ask, and no matter how smart they are, how much smarter than me, which is pretty much everyone, like the answer for running back always comes down to volume. There, there's too much going on in the rushing game. There's too much going into what a running back produces on the field that comes down to roughly who's got the job. So we have to say they earn the job over other people. And there's where the first hitch comes in. James Robinson on a depth chart of almost nothing, right? And it doesn't matter how many times, how many podcasts, how many articles I write to show and point out that just because there's no one of particular note or that we don't know about is of particular note, because, I mean, that's how you get a James Robinson, um, doesn't mean a, r- a running back or a wide receiver just blow up for fantasy. No. Especially not on a bad team. That's the other argument. James Robinson's on a bad team. That's why he's doing this. Think how little sense that makes when you start with a narrative. That sounds, oh, a bad team. That's why he's getting all the opportunity. You can give me all the opportunity you want on a bad team. How, how great's Frank Gore been? Or any New York running back, even when it was Le'Veon Bell. Like, you don't want a bad team. That's the one other thing we know we can say about running back. You want a running back on a good team more often than not. And then every now and again, a good running back on a bad team can do something. Take one Barkley. You know? That's, that's... Well, I really want the running back getting all of the opportunity on the team that never goes to the red zone because touchdowns don't matter for running back. Think how little sense that makes. Jaguars are a bad team, so James Robinson is fake. That's silly. And also, just to go back earlier in the season when people were telling me he's already falling off, opportunity share by week, there is a slight drop-off. He starts off with a 72% opportunity share, and then it drops to 62, 63, and then it goes up to 65, 76, 76. It's actually been increasing consistently on a rolling average basis since people thought he was already dropping off because he's an undrafted free agent. 
which there was no reason to think that slight drop in opportunity share was in indicating a drop off through two weeks. It's just he's an undrafted free agent, so he must drop off. And I know, and you should know, I warned you about this last podcast. I have a strong bias to running undrafted free agents. But, and here's, here's where I'm going to get back to rookies here. James Robinson is in a category of one. Not three, not seven, not a small group. One. He is the only guy, the only guy to do anything like this as a rookie undrafted free agent. There is no one else. Going all the way back to 2009, which is as far back as I care to go, that's it. So what do I mean by that? Well, let's look at running back seasons and compare just those basic numbers, opportunity to share, points per game, to rookie seasons. And just, you know... And what the question that brought this on was... Someone I was debating, or not debating, I was literally just asking Cam Akers after his incredible blow-up game um, last week versus James Robinson. What's the difference in value? And it's pretty much 50-50 whether you thought I was saying James Robinson had to be added to or Cam Akers had to be added to, which is telling in and of itself. But the question that occurred to me while I was reading the comments of what people thought of James Robinson is... Is James Robinson so far away from Saquon Barkley and what he's giving us? 18 points per game. I mean, I, how does that compare to running backs? This is a bad running back year, right? So what's a top six running back season really in 2020 compared to like an average? So I went back and dragged all rookie seasons since 2009 of any draft capital. You'll be happy to know that Saquon Barkley sits atop the list since 2009. I'm not coming for you, Saquon Barkley. And be very clear, I'm not saying James Robinson is Saquon Barkley because I'm not that stupid. But Saquon Barkley averaged 24 points per game throughout his first season. Second is Ezekiel Elliott. Then it's Alvin Kamara through rookie seasons since 2009. Doug Martin and Kareem Hunt actually come up next in the list if you're ranking by points per game, which I think is a fair way to do it considering the stickiness and the importance of the stat for fantasy football. Points per game is a fairly good one just to start off with. I also like expected points per game, but let's keep it simple. So I calculated, and I'm new to opportunity score, so, you know, let's ask Dave or FF Spaceman on Twitter to calculate it to get a better idea. I did run it under his nose, and he said, yeah, it looks like you're doing an okay job there. Essentially, I just did it per game to adjust by per game um, for missed games and how many games they played, which has its own problems per game, you know, I've I've ranted about the problems um, of splits and per game numbers before but if you've got a decent season's worth of data it's worth paying attention to and again points per game is sticky for a reason so if you sort by opportunity score since 2009 and i included the 2020 class in this calculation and the season's not finished yet so the numbers will change guess who's number one of all rookies even saquon barkley since 2009 yeah it's james robinson he's got an 82 percent opportunity share which beats Livion bell's 80 percent opportunity share out in 2013 then it's doug martin then it's saquon barkley now again pointing out saquon barley was definitely the better running back in his first year he's the best ever whatever we should enshrine him now i'm not coming for him at all but james robinson's rookie season ranks amongst those rookie seasons Philip Lindsay's nowhere close, nowhere close. This top season by James Robinson isn't down because it's 2020 and it's a bad season for running backs. The production he's putting up 
in terms of fantasy points, ranks among the best rookies to have ever played in the NFL since 2009. Comparing him to players that are nowhere near that, why? Because he's an undrafted free agent. Well, because he doesn't compare to any of them. Why are you just using his draft capital when he looks unlike all of those others? In terms of the production he's putting up, the opportunity that he's gaining, he looks nothing like them. Well, Pete, 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 Pete. Aaron Foster is your spirit animal. This is true. But Aaron Foster didn't have, didn't, he didn't really break out in his rookie season. If we go to look at undrafted free agents in their rookie season, do you know how many broke the top 24 in their rookie season? None, by the way. Or top 12? None. Aaron Foster didn't do it in his rookie season. He didn't. Aaron Foster actually had a 50% opportunity to share in his rookie season, much like Philip Lindsay. Am I comparing Philip Lindsay to Aaron Foster? No, because that's not the season that Aaron Foster broke out in. He actually averaged 10 expected points per game and 15 points per game, so he was extremely efficient in his rookie season, but he also only played four games. So normally he would be discounted from a rookie season, but it is interesting to know Aaron Foster shows up in opportunity share even only through the four games that he played. So when did Aaron Foster break out? Aaron Foster broke out year two with about an 80% opportunity score, something Philip Lindsay... Philip Lindsay hasn't crested 52% opportunity uh, in Denver. So what was going on with Philip Lindsay? Well, Royce Freeman, who we all drafted higher and were more interested in throughout that season because he kept getting opportunity on that team, basically split the workload with him. Well, that's the thing, you see. James Robinson doesn't have a Royce Freeman, who you probably forgot is still in the NFL behind Philip Lindsay on the depth chart and now Melvin Gordon. That's also a narrative before you're comparing it to anything sensible, right? I mean, Miles Gaskin is in his second year. I forget which draft capital. He's in the 200s in pick overall. But, I mean, you've got Frank Gore burning up opportunity when he's not healthy, and now it'll be Ty Johnson, presumably. You can find running backs to take opportunity away from running backs that don't significantly distance themselves from other people, just like wide receivers. That's a non, it's a nonsensical argument to say the reason you get 80% of opportunity is because there's no one else in the NFL you can give 10, 20, 13, even 5. Can we give someone 5% of the opportunity in Jacksonville? I mean, there's a number of deep running backs on that list that were drafted in previous years, unlike James Robinson, that we had hope for, and they're just, nah. They just, why didn't they get opportunity? <laughs> Why aren't they getting it now, Leonard Fournette's gone? Because they're not it, man. They're just not it. So James Robinson's production compares to the best rookies we've ever seen before. He's the only running back undrafted to produce anything like these numbers, including Philip Lindsay, when you look at the manner in which it was produced. And when you look at the manner in which it's produced, it compares to, if you want to do it through draft capital, Arian Foster. Not Philip Lindsay again at all. Doesn't compare to Austin Eckler, who also was a second-year spike-up, although he had a good rookie season, much like Aaron Foster did in the limited sample he was in it. I mean, most of these guys take time, even at running back, to work into the role, to beat out the other good players, which is why you can normally feel more confident in it, because you've seen them try to, or whether they will, draft other people around. It took a while for Aaron Jones, drafted one round below Jamal Williams, to actually eke into the lead role, and it still persistently seems like, despite the fact both were drafted, 
that the team really doesn't want to just use Aaron Jones. He has to do it through efficiency. Aaron Foster, James Robinson don't do it through efficiency. Well, they're efficient, but also they do it through just sucking up all the opportunity because the team trusts them or whatever special mix goes into running back volume and opportunity, and they are good with it, and they deserve it. He doesn't compare to these other undrafted free agents. There is no other undrafted free agent that did this in his rookie season. The ones who have did this at later dates don't look like Philip Lindsay. They look like Arian Foster. Running backs have broken out since 2003. I recently did this research uh, for Jordan McNamara's book. I'm writing a chapter on, you know, not specifically undrafted free agents, just rookie stats that matter and don't matter and how much they matter and stuff like that. So it it, it happens to be here, so I looked at that. Running backs have broken into the top 12 ever. Again, none have ever done it in their rookie season like James Robinson has done, which puts him in another category of one, incredibly remarkable, are Priest Holmes, Willie Parker, Fred Jackson, Danny Woodhead, Arian Foster, my spirit animal, CJ Anderson, and Austin Eckler. The players that he compares to, if you don't, Ignore that this is his rookie season. The way he's producing it, his opportunity share, his overall points per game, and his position rank relative to the other players in those years are Arian Foster, Fred Jackson, and Priest. They're the dominant three-down running backs that we want in fantasy. It makes much more sense to compare him to those types of players, even if you're doing it by draft capital, than it does to any random undrafted free agent. Now, am I discounting undrafted free agent status? No, I, I mean, I think I'm number one on the list of people who point out teams hate undrafted free agents, and I hate them for it. They want guys with draft capital because apparently you get extra special stars and points at the whatever secret meeting they go to when your best players were drafted highly. I guess that's my that's my theory because sometimes there's just no reason for fading them. But how should we compare James Robinson to past running backs? It's definitely not through his draft capital. And if it is, it compares to the ones who had multiple top 12 seasons before disappearing. Now, will he disappear next year? Maybe. They could draft someone, they could find someone else, because you can, and they could right now, again, that's the point, find someone else to take up 20-30% of the opportunity. That's not hard. There's a whole bunch of incredible athletes who are incredibly good at football, whose names we probably don't even know, or will pretend to know after they turn up, in the NFL and are surrounding the NFL right now and on practice squads that could do that job, that are doing that job for multiple other teams, but, you know, those teams just don't want a three-down running back. I presume that's the reason that they don't all have undrafted free agents like James Robinson kicking off in the ridiculous argument that is, it's just a bad team and there's no one else. So, and that's a list, by the way, it's undrafted free agents who have broken out for a top 12 season. There's a list of seven since 2003. So we're already talking about if we're going to compare them to undrafted free agents, you're looking at like a 0.0 something percentage of all undrafted free agents who ever do anything like this. It's a ridiculous list to try and compare a player to at all. That's what makes them so wonderful in some ways and why I like them so much. But it becomes ridiculous when you try to compare and predict what's going to happen to him in the future when you have a seven-player sample size, we can increase that sample size by looking at the way he's playing, how good he is at playing like that, and the opportunities earning. And that puts him on a list no one really wants to put him on 
because we too like shiny things with draft capital. So here's here's the bottom line. James Robinson compares to Swift. He compares to Cam Akers, despite his great blow-up game. He compares to uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and he compares to J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor. He's, he's in that place right now. And I think most people recognize that. That's why it was divided 50-50% in terms of people thinking that they were adding to one or the other to get the other player in that random poll I posted. People recognize that. But there's a general concern over his draft status. And I do think that's reasonable. But if you want to compare how likely he is to continue producing, it's good. And you have to compare the way he's playing, not his draft status. That just, it's, it's a list of seven players and the ones he compares to in terms of the manner that he's producing. If we look at their good years, not their rookie seasons, because they never did it in their rookie season. And you know, who really cares about rookie seasons, right? This isn't an undrafted free agent bias. I mean, the reason we love Justin Jefferson is because he's just great. CeeDee Lamb, too. It's not like we spend hours and multiple tweets talking constantly about how doing it in your rookie season means a lot. And, you know, that's not especially important for a position like running back, where most running backs produce the height of their production through years one and two, and also the height of their value through years one and two, or end up not doing it at all. I mean, if that was true, there'd be no reason to fade James Robinson at all. (laughs) Anyway, so that's where he is. Now, is it fair to have him below Cam Akers after his big breakout game? Yeah, I mean, I had all of those guys ranked 1-5 to five pretty much in my draft, in my own rookie drafts. And James Robinson, I barely knew. Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies is the only one I knew who really said anything positive about him at all. He, he, he's someone who hit. He can take a victory lap. I can't. What I can do is recognize that James Robinson is in that tier now. So what do we do? Have I made it seem complicated? Did I make this seem like chess? Let me break it down again. This is Tiddlywinks. I want the cheapest one! Stop it. He's awesome. Alright, I'm out of here. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this form. I don't know, I thought it would be fun to try a, a different kind of form for the podcast. Go a little... Go a little uh, I don't know, what is this, aggro, aggressive, self-debate? I don't know, but uh, I kind of enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Yeah, thanks again, and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Yeah! Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.